0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to a couple verses of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, and then uh, in also in the New Testament, the book of Mark chapter 8, uh, beginning reading at verse number 22, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, Mark eight twenty-two. I also want to mention uh, that if you're a guest here with us today, we would love for you to join us next Sunday for our VIP brunch. My wife and I would love the opportunity to sit down and visit with you and share with you a little bit about what God's put in our heart for this area and how we believe that you could be a part of that. 2 Corinthians 4 and 3. The Bible says, the apostle writes, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world, who would the God of this world be? That would be Satan, our enemy, our spiritual enemy. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I want you to notice what Satan has done to people in our world. He has blinded them. He has blinded their minds so that they can't see the right way. They can't perceive or understand the way of hope for them. In Mark chapter 8, verse number 22, one of the many stories of Jesus' miracle power, this one it says, and he came to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and let him, led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands upon him and put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw aught. You see anything? You see anything at all? And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. In other words, I I see a little bit, but it's not clear yet. I, what I, the men that are walking around look like trees. I can't discern. I can see, but I can't see clearly yet. After that, he put his hands upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. I want you to notice that there was a second touch of Jesus that cleared up the vision of this man who was blind. And today for the next few moments, I wanna speak what the Lord has laid on my heart and the title for today's ministry and the word of God today is this. The title is Divine Optometry. Divine Optometry. Let's set our Bibles down and, and I want you just to put your hand on your chest. And I want you to pray that God would speak to you today and that the word would have an impact on your life. Can we do that together, Jesus? We thank you for each hungry person that is gathered here today to hear from you. And we thank you for the power of your word to bring transformation and change to our lives. And our prayer today is that in the next few moments, you would make an adjustment in our vision, an adjustment in the way that we perceive and see the world that is around us so that we can begin to fulfill our mission. And that your purpose can become visible in our lives. We thank you today for what you've already done. And by faith, we believe that you're going to work on us today. In Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, shout out amen. 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 The Lord bless you and, uh, and you may be seated. This uh, practice of optometry mattered very little to me personally until about four years ago. Four years ago, I uh, was standing in the Burbank Airport and I had, was getting ready to fly somewhere and I had forgotten to make an adjustment on my ticket and I needed to adjust my ticket. And I made a phone call to the airlines and they agreed to do the adjustment and they needed my credit card. So I pulled out my credit card and I began to read the numbers off of the credit card and at a certain point... There was a number that I couldn't read. And when I mean I couldn't read it, I I don't mean that I couldn't read it right away. I mean no matter what I did, sideways, upside down, I could not read the numbers on the credit card. And uh, so I ended up having to hang up and then call back and do it later. But at that point, it hit home to me. That something has changed in my vision. And even though I grew up with 20-20 vision, able to read, see distances off, something had happened over time, and I needed some help. So I scheduled, not long after that, a trip to the optometrist for him to find out what my issue was. And so I got there. I'd never been to an optometrist before, and uh, he said we're going to do an eye exam exam. And I was a little nervous about it because I didn't want to fail the eye exam and end up with the wrong type of glasses. And uh, so I sat in there and he put this, had this big thing that he was going to put in front of my eyes. But before he did that, he pulled up in his chair as I was sitting kind of alone with him in a dark room. And uh, he got this thing out. I don't know if any of you have ever been to the optometrist before. And uh, this light, and then he scooted his chair up uncomfortably close to me he was up and then he scooted a little closer and then a little bit closer until we were like nose to nose and he had this thing and he's he's looking right directly into my eyes And I, apparently he's looking for signs of disease or sickness, but it just felt like he was looking into my soul. <laughs> and uh, then he, he took this big machine and I said, man, I hope that's not my glasses. And he, he put it in front of me and put me up close to this machine and uh, started going through the exam. It was click. And his question was, which one is better? And click, do you like this better or that? Click. And I'm like, Kind of looks the same to me. He's like, that wasn't one of the options. (laughs) Which one is better? Click, click. And so we went through finding out what was exactly wrong with my eyes, and I found out that I needed progressive lenses. What are progressive lenses? They're like bifocals, but there's actually three. They're like trifocals, but you can't tell. You can't look and see them on here. So people don't know that if something's that distance away, I have to look like this. If something's closer, I look like this. But if I'm reading, I have to look like this. But it works. So I got these glasses because we found out that over time, my eyes had gotten tired and uh, I needed some vision help. And some of you, no doubt, have been through something similar. And when I got my glasses, I was like, wow, wow. I could have been seeing like this the whole time and uh, enjoy now having clarity of vision. Now, the Bible makes it very clear that one of Jesus' objectives when he came to the earth was to open the eyes of the blind. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. When Jesus came to the earth, one of his objectives was to open eyes that were blinded. And when you look at the actual ministry of Jesus through the gospels, you notice that he restored people's physical sight, some who had been blind for a while, some who had been blind from their mother's womb. But the restored sight of individuals was seen repeatedly in the ministry of Jesus. And what a great miracle for someone who cannot see to be blessed with their sight. But we understand those of you that look into scriptural meaning and metaphorical purpose that the greater purpose of Jesus was not just to recover physical blindness but to recover people who were spiritually blinded. So that rather than them seeing through the distortion of disease or disorder they could clearly see things the way that they were supposed to be seen. You know in the Bible? and even in our own lives, in the physical realm, eyesight is a metaphor for perspective. In, in biblical language, vision or sight is a, meta, a metaphor for perspective. So when the Bible speaks in 2 Corinthians of the blindness that happened to the heart, it's not speaking of the inability to see, but it's speaking about a limitation to perceive or understand something and of course jesus was speaking there of the pharisees the pharisees that could not understand or perceive what jesus was saying and jesus said you're blind you can't see it you can see what you want to see but your perspective is hampered by your background and you cannot perceive things the way that they are this is spiritual blindness different Than physical blindness and in John chapter 12 and verse 40 the Bible speaks this of Satan it says he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them the Bible is saying here the real problem is not the problem and the issue is not the issue Your addiction's not the problem. Your pain is not the problem. Your past and your background is not the problem. The problem is the way you look at stuff. The way you see your life. The way you see the world. I can bring healing. Jesus said, I can bring transformation. I can bring change, but I can't do anything when you're blind. Because you're looking at things a certain way. And it's the way you perceive life. It's the way you look at the world. It's the way you look at your todays, your tomorrows, and the future that create the issues that you're dealing with in your life. Can I get an amen, somebody? Am I making any sense here at all? That it is the way that you look at things and the way that you perceive things that create the issues. That's why Jesus made it plain. That the enemy has blinded your heart so I can't heal you. The enemy has blinded your heart so I can't change you and transform you. We've got to change the way that you look at things in order for transformation change to come to your life. So the key word here, when we're talking about spiritual blindness and God providing vision, the key word is perspective. Perspective is about how you see things. If you've ever... Made a statement like this before. Well, I've never thought of it that way before. Or how about this? I've never looked at it like that before. Or someone that says, Well, I see things differently now. I see things differently than I used to. What this is reflecting is a change of perspective. Not that the situation changed, but the way that they looked at the situation has changed. And because the way that they looked at the situation has changed, their feelings about the whole deal has been transformed. And so perspective is simply this. It's the lens through which you perceive life and the world around you. The way you look at things. Are you guys still with me now? Now, here's, I want to give you an example here, a physical example. These are some sunglasses I bought the other day for myself to the chagrin of my daughter, who told me I looked womanly in them. <laughs> but I thought I looked cool. I thought I looked smooth. And uh, she's like, dad, don't buy glasses without mom and I there, okay? <laughs> Little word for the wise as the future goes. Let us go with you. But I was out with one of, my, uh, one of the cool young guys and we were buying sunglasses and I bought these. And the cool thing about these is, I don't know if you can tell or not, but they are shaded Light blue. And so when I put them on, my perspective of the world changes. Because of the lens that I'm looking through. Everything just gets cool. (laughs) Blue and cool. And my perspective changes. Everything about the world changes when I put these on. Because I'm looking at everything through this perspective looking at everything through this lens. And you probably have all heard the statement before about somebody that's overly optimistic. Says, well, they're looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. Kind of like these, except instead of turning the world blue, it turns the world bright pink and just makes everybody seem so happy and joyful and cool. It's about perspective. And so what we're talking about today are the lenses that impact how we see things, or perhaps disorders or diseases that impact the way that we view and look at the world. Now, I want to give you an example of a lens that someone might look through. I've met people like this before. People who wear the glasses of sex appeal. And the glasses of sex appeal looked good on them. When they were 18, 19, 20, 21, but now they're 50, right? And they're still viewing the world through the perspective of whether I got it still or not. You know who I'm talking about. The people that 60 years old, been married four times, but still flirt with everything that moves. You know what I'm saying? 50 years old, old enough to know better, but walks into to the club with the shirt unbuttoned all the way down to here. <laughs> Spray tan, hairy chest, big gold chain. And everybody's like, when you looked at the world based on your sex appeal, that was cool in the day. But can I have your glasses and give you some grown-up glasses now that you can look at the world through normal perspective? Because it's kind of a pitiful sight, isn't it? When you see somebody like that and uh, flirting with everybody and, and uh, the young lady says, stay away from him, he's a dirty old man. <laughs> and they don't even know it. Everybody else knows it, but they think they're cool with their affliction shirt, real tight, their tight jeans walking in, gold chain, all that. But the reality is it's time to hang it up. Because a lot of people forget to take off their sex appeal glasses after they get married. And it creates all kinds of problems because they're still looking at everything through this perspective. They're still looking at everybody they meet through this perspective. They're still on the prowl and looking around. And after a while, it just kind of gets disgusting. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about perspective and how you look at everything. I'm talking about these people look at everything this way all the time. And of course, this is just one example of many that we could use. And the reality is, Someone like that will not change until they start looking at the world differently. No change until change of perspective. As long as you keep looking at everything that way, that's the way your life will be. Can I tell you this thing right now? This is the truth. The real key to lasting change is change of perspective. You can't really have transformation and change in your life until you change the lens through which you look at life. Now, you can hear good preaching. You can feel the presence of God. You can experience conviction. You can feel divine joy. But life will not change until you change the way you look at life. Not going to change. Not going to change. But everything changes when you start to see clearly and you start to see things the way they were supposed to be seen. So, with that in mind, What is the devil's objective? The devil's objective is to cloud your vision and to cause you to see and perceive everything through disorders that distort reality and hinder your potential and bind you so you cannot experience your purpose in life. That's what the devil does. His goal is to impact the way you look at things. Now, I'm just talking today about two. Two big vision problems that affect people's lives. And these two vision problems are cataracts and myopia. Anybody know what another word for myopia is? Nearsightedness. Nearsightedness and cataracts. One of these two can be fixed with glasses. The other one requires surgery. Can I talk for a minute about cataracts? You're like, we're going to talk about cataracts? Yeah cataracts, Anybody seen it before? Maybe your parents or grandparents, they get old and you start to see a clouding over their iris. What happens is the proteins in the lens of your eyes begin to clump together and turn the lens from clear to cloudy. And it causes darkness. It causes dimness. It causes grayness so that things cannot be perceived clearly. At first, when the cataracts form, they're not visible from the outside to the naked eye, but eventually, everybody else can see the cataract in your eye. Now, when we talk about spiritual cataracts, we're talking about this. Let me read a verse to you, and it'll, it'll help you understand. First John chapter 2 and verse 11. What does it say in 1 John 2, 11? It says, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and doesn't know where he goes because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. What are spiritual, spiritual cataracts is bitterness that impacts the way that you look at the world. He that hated, why would somebody hate a brother? Because of something that happened, right? You don't just start hating somebody. It's usually because of an offense or a hurt that happened that causes you to begin to hate a brother. And the Bible makes it so plain. It darkens your perspective and causes you to grope, not be able to determine which steps you should take and what direction you should go in your life. Because the hatred in your heart has created a disease in your vision and impacted your perspective. I want to tell you today that bitterness affects every area of your life. A lot of times you may be bitter in one area and you say, well, I'm mad about this, but everything else is cool. But I want to tell you that it bleeds into every area of your life and you see everything through the cataract. You see everything through the cloud of bitterness. I knew a person one time, that uh, was, was close to me, and uh, he was a, a saint in a church, and he had his family in the church, and he was very involved. And uh, this particular individual had something happen where the pastor of the church did the family wrong in a very real way. I was familiar with the situation, and this person uh, was very close, to the leadership in the church, extremely involved as a volunteer, poured his life into the church. But here's how things happened. Because of what took place with his family member and a family member of the pastor, he was offended. And the family was hurt. And they became angry. And they would share with us, even though we were not living close, they would share with us the anger and the anger turned into bitterness. And we're talking about people who by nature, happy-go-lucky, sweet, easy to get along with, easy laughing. But because of this offense, it turned into anger and it began to affect how they viewed everything. The reality is their bitterness just didn't just stay in their church life but bitterness came out of this person's mouth about everything that he and his wife experienced. I wanna tell you today that the darkness of bitterness will blind you and it will impact the way that you see everything. And before long, these cataracts become visible to everyone else as well. And people can tell that everything that flows from your life is flowing through a dirty and a bitter filter. I want to tell you today that you're not going to bring transformation into your life. You can have somebody pray for you a hundred times. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. I'm going to study, I'm going to study, I'm going to study, I'm going to study, I'm going to study. But if you're still looking through that cataract, it's going to impact every area of your life. You're going to see everything through a lens of hurt and through a lens of bitterness. And it creates in you predictable patterns and predictable behaviors. And you can't see it, but everybody else can see. There's something hung up in their spirit there that's keeping them from being clean and keeping them from walking in victory, amen, because of the lens of hurt. Now, I wanna tell you today that this requires surgery. The only thing that works is forgiveness. Some people have lived with hurt and bitterness and anger so long that it becomes a part of who they are. And now they've learned to compensate for it, make adjustments so that they can live with it. But still, everything that they look at, everything that they deal with is clouded by this bitterness, And the bad news today is on its own, it's not going to get any better. Cataracts don't go away with time. They don't clear up with time. You've got to deal with it. And the reality is, is when you have anger in your heart towards someone else, it causes you to be in darkness. It causes everything to become hazy and unclear. And you're groping and making missteps and and, and wrong choices. And it doesn't have to be with the... It's not because you lack counsel or you lack wisdom. It's because you're seeing everything through this particular cloud. And the only way that this can be fixed is through forgiveness. You've got to get rid of it and you've got to put it behind you. Is this okay today? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31, the Bible says, the apostle said this. He said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger And clamor and evil speaking be put away from you it's a conscious action you can't leave it there it's got to be dealt with because if you allow bitterness and wrath and anger to stay in your life to stay in your spirit it will darken your perspective of everything that you look at and says and be kind to one another Tenderhearted, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. All bitterness, all wrath, all anger has to be put away. You gotta get it off of you. You can't let it stay with you because it doesn't get better, it gets worse. And there are people in this world that have been hurt. Guess what? All of us have been hurt. Well, I hadn't been hurt. Just wait around a while. Unfortunately, it's going to happen. Offense will come. You'll have an opportunity to get angry. But the Bible makes it clear that this anger will become such a clouding force in your life that you will be groping and you will lack spiritual perspective and you will make faulty decisions and you'll stumble and grope in the darkness. And as difficult as it is, the only way is the scalpel of forgiveness has to remove the cloud of bitterness from your spirit so all of a sudden vision can return and clarity and expectation for the future and joy and vitality in your life. And I know you've heard it a lot of times, but let me say it again. Forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. When you're bitter, you don't affect their vision, you affect your vision. And when you forgive them, what you are doing is you are taking the scalpel. I know this is kind of gross. You are taking the divine scalpel and saying, God, you've forgiven me, so I'm going to do what you said and forgive them. And this surgical act, God will, I believe this. I believe this happens. When you forgive somebody, God says, okay, they're ready to put it behind them. They don't want to make have this be a part of them the rest of their life. They don't want to just harbor this resentment against their father or, or, or harbor this bitterness against what happened in their life or what somebody did or what somebody said. They're willing to release it. And God says, now I can free you from it. Uh, I can release you from it. And your vision can come back. Come on, somebody, and you can see the world the way that God intended for you to see you can step in to the potential that God has for you amen praise God so it's time to get out of the darkness do something about your blindness do something about the darkness that you walk in forgive release forgive release the second vision problem a very common disorder called myopia myopia however they pronounce it. Also known as nearsightedness. People with myopia can see things close very clearly. But anything that's off in the distance becomes blurry and cloudy and they can't make sense of it. And today we're talking about spiritual myopia. Spiritual myopia is referred to in Scripture as carnality. Carnality is about today, here, now. What I want, what my flesh desires. Carnality is spiritual myopia. You cannot perceive how what you're doing today is going to affect you down the road. And you cannot perceive how what you're doing today has eternal implications yeah eternity eternity's forever and people with spiritual myopia make choices every day about what they want and what feels good and what seems right right now spiritual myopia is the disease of esau esau says i'll give away my eternal birthright So that I can have something to satisfy my hunger right now. Because I can't even see that off in the distance. All I can see is I'm hungry right now. This is spiritual myopia. This is the base and the core of carnality. And the problem is we are born with myopia. We're born with it. This is a disease that all of us have. This is a disorder, not necessarily a disease, a disorder that all of us have because of sin nature. That we inherited from our father Adam. All of us are born with this tendency to take care of now, to take care of today, to take care of the lust and the desires of my flesh because I'm hungry right now. Don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, but I'm hungry right now. In Romans 8 4, it describes spiritual myopia. It says, For they that are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to God's law. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The reality is when I live for today and my desires and what I want And what I think I ought to have and what feels good today, I can't please God. In order to please God, you can't look at everything in the near-sighted perspective. You can't look at everything. Oh, it's clear what I want today. It's very clear what my desires are. And we act upon that because when it gets beyond the next couple weeks, everything is blurry. Blurry. The Bible in 1 John 2, 16 says all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof passeth away. You're making eternal decisions based on passing lusts. You're making decisions with eternal implications based on what you're feeling right now. And you ain't even gonna feel that two days from now. This is spiritual myopia. This is the disease of Esau. And the Bible says Esau have I hated because he could only see today. And he could only see now. And he could see the only the impact. And this is, the, when I'm talking about spiritual myopia, I'm talking about people who become focused on lusts, riches, pride, fleshly perspective, the things of this world, the satisfaction that we can get from this world. And here's the deal. With spiritual myopia, there is no quick fix. There's no quick fix for myopia. You're going to have to get glasses, all right? You're going to have to wear them. You're going to have to put them on. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I left my glasses up there because I've spent so many years not wearing them that I forget them and I walk around without them. Then it's time to read and I'm like, oh, Lord, what do I do now? I have to have somebody else read it or get the lights or, you know, you know, you know the old thing, like bring it all the way out to here and in my arms too short. I'm so glad the Lord's arm's not short, but mine is. I can't read it. We're going to have to wear glasses and let me, let me show you the glasses that God wants to fit us with. Sarah, can you put a picture of the glasses that God wants to fit us with? Here they are. These are called infinity glasses. I mean, you have to think about this for a minute. Infinity glasses. The eight just keeps going and going and going and going and going. Called infinity glass. What's infinity? Infinity's forever. Forever. Our myopic perspective only lets us look at the impact of this world in the 70 years we're going to live on this planet. 80 if we're lucky, 90 if we're really lucky. Above 90, I don't know if you're lucky or not. You're just old. <laughs> He wants to fit us with infinity glasses to infinity and beyond. amen. Infinity glasses so that we have a perspective of everything we face in life. We look through the filter of eternity. We look through the filter of the perspective of forever. And the cool thing about when God enables us to see eternity is not only is today clear, but we look down the road and it's clear as well. The Bible says a person with wisdom looks at what's coming and makes decisions today based on what's down the road. The fool makes decisions based on where he's at right now. And the problem is many of us have fallen into that category because we're human beings and we live in this world and we're thrust by the drives and the desires in our flesh. But when we are born again, God's plan is for us to begin to be able to realize that it's not about this world. It's not about the next 30 years or the next 40 years or the next 50 years. It's not about how much money can I make. It's, It's not about all the things that are important in this world world, but there is an eternity. There is a forever. And the reality is the only way you can see clearly and make good decisions is to understand every day that forever is a long, long time. Amen. We're awakened to our mortality from time to time. This is something some of you guys, same age as me, we kind of going through this thing, right? Our kids are getting big, our babies have teeth and stinky breath. Praise God. They got big. And then our mom and dad that were so vital and strong and youthful are getting old. And you realize there's no reverse gear. And it breaks your heart and you're saddened when you realize that grandma and grandpa aren't going to be here much longer. And you realize that time is marching on and you don't get forever. Life's a vapor. It's a few years and then it's gone. And the reality is only what is done for Jesus Christ lasts beyond these 70 years. See, I'm talking about change in perspective. I'm talking about putting the glasses on so that things become clear that weren't clear before. See, in the Old Testament, they believed, there were hints here and there that they believed in the afterlife. They believed that death was not the end. But the idea of eternal life burst onto the scene in brilliance when Jesus revealed himself. And he showed up at the death of Lazarus and told Martha, Lazarus is going to live again. And she's like, what you talking about? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And Jesus made it plain, amen, that if you put your faith in me, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, if you believe on me, you will inherit eternal life. Turn to your neighbor and nudge him and say eternal life. Say it right now. Say it just like that. Say eternal life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so they had faith. They were trying to believe it. They were trying to believe it. Faith takes a stretch, right? They're trying to believe it, that death is not the end because we're tempted to pour everything into this life. But eternity perspective says, I'm living this life as a staging ground for eternity. I'm living this life as a preparation for eternity. So they were trying to believe it, and they watched as Jesus was crucified on the cross. They watched as the blood was drained from his body and they watched as his final breaths were taking. And then before his head dropped, he said, it is finished. And the dejected, defeated, dispirited disciples went back to their BC lives. Let's find our fishing boat. Let's go back to what we were doing before. We thought we had the answer. We thought we found the Messiah. We thought we found the one that would establish the kingdom that would last forever. But he's gone and he's dead. You guys already know the story, don't you? Three days later, the report comes to the disciples that the tomb is empty. What's going on? Was Jesus stolen in the night? Where is he? And then he showed himself alive. After the crucifixion, the Bible says, by many infallible proofs, he showed up in the midst of the disciples. And they're like, there's Jesus. It's the real Jesus. Thomas said, well, you saw him. I didn't see him. I really want to believe, yeah, it would be awesome if Jesus was alive, but I think you guys were drinking something or got a little crazy or got a little pumped or excited or whatnot, but I'm not going to believe until I see him myself. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up in his midst, uh, stands before Thomas, said, Thomas, you need some proof? Let me show you my hands. Put your finger in there touch the nail print that's the that's where the spike went through my hands i want you to put it now check check let me lift up my robe here and i want you to feel you know when the spear went in my side you saw it blood and water poured out put your hand in there because i am not subject to death. I was dead. You saw me take my final breath. You saw them put my limp body in a tomb. But guess what? Amen. Guess what? I am alive forevermore. And Thomas fell to his knees and shouted out, my Lord and my God. You got to listen to me right now. The New Testament church was born in the reality that we're going to die, but we're going to live again. We might see the grave, but Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection, and we will live again. Amen. Because Jesus rose again, we know that the grave is not the end. 1 Corinthians, my final verse. If Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Your preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain, and you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If any in this life only we, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable if it's only about the next how many years i got left y'all if the lord should tarry and health should be good another 40 years oh lord have mercy it's not about the next 40 years because if it's only about the next 40 years life stinks bro because i'm on the downhill side i'm rolling downhill i'm feeling the physical pain i can't dunk a basketball no more been a long time been a long time. I don't know if I can get off the ground anymore. I don't know if I can touch the net anymore because I'm on the downside. And if we only have hope in Christ in this world only, then we are miserable. Then we might as well just go around sad and dour because we realize the people we love are going to die and then we're going to die. But our hope, come on somebody, is that we put on some glasses that cause us to realize that it's not just the next 40 years, it's not just the next 5 years, but what happens on this earth is getting me ready for eternity. Is there anybody else here that believes in the word of God? Do you believe with your faith that you will die should the the Lord Terry, but that you will live. Do I have some mamas and daddies in the house that know it's not just about this world, this earth and these years here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at the rest of this verse. If our hopes only in this life were of all men most miserable, but now is Christ risen from the dead. Since Jesus got up, we can't look through that old myoptic view anymore. Since Jesus got up out of the grave, we know that eternity is real. He was the firstborn from the dead. You and I are going to be the rest that are born from the dead. Hallelujah. The Bible says it this way. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm preaching it, and it ain't a funeral. I'm preaching it. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and then those of us which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 And in the early church, you can stand to your feet. In the early church, that just gives you hope, right? Hey, we get to stand. In the early church, everything revolved around the promise of the second coming of Jesus Christ. They were awaiting his appearing. The word in Revelation twenty two twenty 20 was, even so, come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Maranatha was a word of greeting in the early church. When believers met one another, they said, Maranatha, which means, even so, come, Lord Jesus. I realize, I realize we're human beings. I realize we're cursed with myopia. Even the best of people, even the most ardent of believers, if you lose your glasses, if you lose your infinity lenses, then you're going to fall back into the trap of wrapping your attention up in this world, wrapping your attention up into the cares of this world and lose the vision and the purpose and the mission that God put in your spirit. But understand, the greatest promise is the promise of the coming of the Lord. And there are three hundred over 300 references in the New Testament to the second coming of Jesus Christ. He's coming again. He's coming again. He's coming again. One way or the other, we're having eternal life. Whether he comes before you die or whether he comes 100 years from now, you got eternal life. Hallelujah. you got eternal life. Yeah. And so the, the optometrist... The divine optometrist is scooting up close right now. He's looking down into your soul. And he's got the light. And he's asking a question. The question is, see ye aught? You see anything? How are things looking? And there's some of you that have been touched by God. You've been filled with the Spirit. You've been impacted by his anointing. But in your honesty today, you've got to say, Lord, I see, but I can't see very clearly. I'm I'm not operating out of an understanding of eternity. Got to be honest, Lord, I need another touch today. Because the reality is all of us in our lives, our perspective changes and we need a fresh prescription because it becomes blurry again. And today the Lord wants tomorrow to become clear. He wants eternity to become clear in your spirit. Because when you get a vision of eternity, you can't get all wrapped up in your job and forget about the lost. When you realize that the only hope of salvation is for people to put their trust in the cross and to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you can't go along your way trying to build your kingdom and do your thing and buy your groceries and put some clothes on your back. You realize today matters because of eternity not because of today and the choices that i make today have to be made in light of my infinity perspective that eternity is eternity, <laughs> and life is short. And, I'm, and, and the reality is, is, if that's all there is, then we're miserable. But there's joy in our spirit today, my brother, because what we do for the kingdom of God today is going to have eternal implications in our lives, in the lives of our children, in the lives of the people that we're discipling, in the lives of the people we're teaching Bible studies to, in the lives of the people we're praying through to the Holy Ghost. So, Lord, I need a touch today. He's pulled up close. You can hear his breath. He's ready to speak to you. Can you join me right now at the front? Because we're going to pray together before we leave. Because the divine optometrist wants to work on you for a little bit right now. So that you see the world, not through a myopic, fleshly perspective of today. But that eternity gets a hold of you. My brother, when eternity gets a hold of you, when eternity gets a hold of you, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. Now, this sermon today was easy for some of you people like me that are getting a little older to connect with. But I remember what it was like when I was 21, 22, had the world by the tail future ahead of me man everything just looks so awesome you just feel like you're gonna live forever the reality is time is quick life is vapor paper it appears for a while then it's gone and it doesn't matter how much money you've made at the end of the day somebody said i ain't never one time seen a hearse pulling you U-Haul." Can't take it with you. Like the woman whose husband said, I want you to bury me with all my money. So she did it for him. And uh, somebody said, You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have given all the money. You gave him all the money. You should have kept it. He can't use it. She said, Well, I did what he told me. I wrote him a check and put it in the casket there with him for the entire man. is the eternal impact you make for your family's sake for other people <laughs> for people that need Jesus my God, people need Jesus yes, <laughs> their only hope <laughs> I think we think there's other hope but there's no other hope the gospel <laughs> the gospel's the only thing the blood of Jesus is the only way has myopia we don't do nothing about it but jesus says i want to put i want to fix your perspective today i want you to see things clearly blindness has come on your eyes but i want to clear it up right now so that you can see things the way that i see them from heaven's point of view i want you to join grab somebody by the hand right now we're going to pray together